The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week, the children of Stanley Kubrick, Todd 1, Italy nothing, mediocre Star Wars teasers, and crappy drawings your kids made, and now, three guys who can't wait to live stream their heart attack on Facebook, here are the dads. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of The Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. Welcome back. And I'm to the- Dave Engel. Oh, and up- sorry, <laughs> I guess I'll let you wow. say your line. Not saying, not saying you're rusty, but uh, <laughs> there's three guys on the show. <laughs> I figured, I just sorry, assumed Dave, one, I thought you died. I assumed one of you had died since I was gone. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. You want me to do the Thank whole you. thing again, or you want to leave that? No, in? I don't care. Forgot you were still there, old man. Who are you again? It's only yeah, the one now. millionth episode. I could see how you'd miss that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dave Engel. I'm still on upstate New York. Welcome back to the podcast that has welcomed me back to the United States. On a related note, Italy is temporarily closed because they're out of pasta and cured meats and cheeses and cappuccino. And fascism. Todd took it all took with him. It all with me. <laughs> all the stuff left over from World War II. I'll tell you what, wow. though, those fascists did a lot of hard work. You know, they built giant walls they around did. cities. Uh, Napoleon did a lot of stuff. He gave it away. Who took who took over after Napoleon? Who was uh, Bush? I don't know. Bush. I don't know. George Bush. He took over Italy after Napoleon. Yeah. Anyway, there are these giant walls that were around cities that were built, and they were amazing, and they're still there. And now they use them as like raised running paths for the town folk and such. But you know, they were supposed to keep out. Once cannons came into play, they put these giant walls, like 30 feet tall and super thick, you know, to keep uh, cannon fire out of these cities. And they seem to work for the most part. Now they're a great place to go lay down and sleep when you're not at work. That's pretty much what they are. Because you're unemployed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's nice to be back in America. Is it? I don't know. I I I always like, yeah. I could live in Italy. I could that... I mean, I haven't been to a lot of other countries, but I feel like I could live there. What do you uh, need Italy for? There's Olive Gardens near your house. Yeah, there are, and I, it's just the, exactly the same. You're right. It's mm-hmm. it's just like walking into, you know, Tuscany. Yep. When you um, got to the airport, where'd, where'd you fly into over there? In uh, well, we flew into Venice. They probably immediately started bringing breadsticks to you. Yeah, free bread, unlimited. Like, as bread you're coming sticks. up the, the ramp, you could be like, mm, "You smell like Kelly." Breadsticks. They just start putting them in your mouth as you're walking through the airport. <laughs> I think, uh, well, you know how they. Uh, how'd you land on those? How'd you land on those tiny little streets? <laughs> they had, t- had to tear down some historic buildings in order to make them for the plane. <laughs> well, you know, on, on on the euros there on each coin, they put like a uh, Roberto Benigni. Well, they put like every country gets something, but since all the countries use use euros, and I'm pretty sure on the on the Italian one, it says unlimited breadsticks in Italian. Nice. Yeah, when you're here, you're family. <laughs> yeah. You're Italian. <laughs> Grissini um, illimitate. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, I st- I'm still using my Google Translate app. I love that in Italy. I just, uh, I'd, I'd fake pretend I was, I could speak Italian because I'd learn, I'd, I'd, right before I'd go into a shop, I'd learn the one phrase I'd have to say on my Google mm-hmm. Translate app and just hope that they wouldn't ask me a follow up question. Yeah, but they spoke. They speak English well, everywhere. That's the there, thing. They're just except... like, stop it, stop it. I speak English. Right, but, but don't you don't you have to make that first sentence an awkward attempt, and then they're yeah. super nice. But if you walk in and go, "Howdy, where's the spaghetti?" Then they immediately start <laughs> spitting in your food. Right? Yeah, they don't appreciate. I that. just I just learned how to say, "Do you speak English?" You stupid European, and then they would say yes. But when I went to Tuscany, when I was in the country. They were not having it. Like, they didn't want me there. Yeah. Uh, there was, like, yeah, there was a conference of teachers that my wife was attending, and I flew out for it. And they were, you could tell they were all unhappy that there were a bunch of Americans. Like, they wouldn't, I, I asked a guy for the time, and he just kept walking. It's like eyes forward. 
That's when you that's when you translate one sentence. Remember how we saved your ass at WW two? Then they stand up. <laughs> Remember how we showed you the light? <laughs> we had a tour guide actually thank us for saving them in World War Two because the city we were in Lucca, which is kind of between like Pisa and Florence, and I guess the 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 Nazis were right outside the walls. It was one of those cities with the fortresses, but you know, in World War II, they were going to drop bombs, so the fortress didn't matter. But no fair, you guys. The You're Americans supposed to shoot us with cannons. <laughs> You're supposed to use bow and arrow. <laughs> uh, the Americans and allies were making their way up through, from southern Italy up to, you know, up through Tuscany, and they, they were just about to get to where the Nazis were, and because the Nazis were outside the city walls of Lucca about to start the bombing raids and everything, and then they decided that the Americans were too close, and they decided to fall back to the next town, and they never bombed Lucca which is now like a perfectly preserved medieval city. It's beautiful. And the tour guide actually stopped, and he told the story about it and and thanked the America for uh, saving Luca. So. Did you, you can't say thank, you're welcome? You can't, did you bow? I did. He said, you're welcome. Did he also did apologize for joining coming? the Nazis? No, yeah. he didn't really take ownership of that. <laughs> the fact that they, they were, uh, that they allied with Hitler for a little while. But then they changed, you know. They 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 flipped sides in like the 1944 or something, didn't they? That's Unlike why they... the French, am I right? Well, they they switched sides at the end when they, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that. They're ba- they were they were bandwagoners. They jumping on the bandwagon like all right. the Cubs fans these days. <laughs> yep, right. riding the yeah, red line with the their 20... Mussolini shirts with the tags still on them. <laughs> they were the skinny blondes in Cub shirts of the 1940s. And now it's time for Holiday Road. That's where you lose 20 cents on every dollar's worth of fun. Yes, it is a little more expensive. But, you know, I I was surprised uh, overall in Italy how how uh, for most of the meals, which most of the meals lunchtime-wise was just grab grab a sandwich, were fairly reasonable. It depended on you had to know not don't eat right off of the tourist lo- attraction that you're near. So, like, don't eat right off of the Vatican or don't eat right next to... <laughs> The Coliseum. Don't eat right, right. next don't to. Don't eat anywhere in Venice. Don't eat anywhere in Venice. Oh yeah. Well, unless you go like you, if you go like if you just get lost in Venice, you might find something affordable. Uh, but, but yeah, most of it is just. Uh, Venice was probably my least favorite this time around because it's just so crowded. It was Easter weekend that we were there, so crowded, and we just Kelly and I just spent most of our time worrying about how many of the seventy choir students were going to be lost in Venice forever. Did you have a mar- an acceptable margin? Uh, yeah, we. <laughs> and this is the truth. We only had to leave one student in Europe on the, in Italy on our way back. What? So, uh, yeah, uh, there was there was one lost passport, and it just happened to be an exchange student that is at her school right now. His passport went missing, and his with his student visa in it, and he had to stay behind. His he's from Portugal, so his dad flew from Portugal to take care of it. Same um, thing. So wow, uh, he's still there. He hasn't come is he back. Still yet. there? I was gonna say, is he still there? He's still there. Because wow. they can't get a response from the American embassy to reissue his student visa. So he has a new Portuguese passport. He had it in Italy the Monday Sounds after like we left. Sounds like someone wanted to go home. Well, right. I wonder. Yeah, who knows what? When he decided to take his son back to Portugal, I thought, well, I don't know that he's gonna ever come back to the states now. Uh, hopefully he does. And it's a very Kelly feels terrible about the situation. She she didn't mostly because she needs more tenors. No, yeah. it, was a, it was a Portuguese soprano. <laughs> she She'd be like, a... good riddance, build that wall. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was a really good singer and student, so she needs him back. But we'll see if he ever makes it back. But we did leave one behind. I figured one one out of 70 is a pretty good margin, right? I'm impressed. I Yeah, I'm impressed. You don't even have to keep them alive. You have to you have to keep like little pieces of paper that say they have the right to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Right, these are kids that can't hang onto their iPads for more than 30 seconds. There was You're one... trying to get them to hold on to some folded cardboard. There was one kid on the trip who I thought for sure was going to be the one who who lost something important. But it, Kelly tells me as we're like on the bus, because she keeps getting this. Every time he has an important document, she grabs it from him and keeps it. So what's going on? He goes, well, that student has lost over 30 pairs of sunglasses or uh, eyeglasses, like prescription eyeglasses. He's gone through uh, 11 eyeglasses this year, this school year. He has, he has lost or broken 11 pairs of eyeglasses. He must not need them that much because he keeps taking them off his face. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he was the one I was worried about, but he made it back to America. 
Uh, but overall, I'll tell you what, 10 days in Italy. You lost 50 bucks in the pool. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the worst <laughs> part. <laughs> lost 50 bucks. You know, when you could kind of ignore the fact that you're there with 100 people, um, you can, you know, find moments to really enjoy the, uh, the trip. It's not like, you know, every once in a while Kelly and I would take a picture and someone would say, oh, that looks so romantic. I'm like, yeah, you don't see the other 98 people in the on, in, on the other side of the camera. Right, in matching T-shirts singing Hodier Christus Natus Est. Well, thank goodness we didn't have matching T-shirts because I would have felt I probably would have separated myself from the pack at that point. So no one had yeah. any matching anything because we did see plenty of that going on. But they how did mu- stop how and sing much... in a, a large group every once in a while. You know, it, I was going to say the Greek yeah. theater at Pompeii and uh, uh, in the town square of uh, Luca. They uh, but you know people liked it. They they clapped. I guess it, it was cute. You took some neat pictures. Uh, but overall, uh, my the, my biggest takeaway from my uh, 10 days in Italy was the bathroom experience. Of course. Uh, one, that, and Dave, you've been to Italy, so you probably... Do you mean the experience of using the bathrooms in Italy, or do you mean you had a magical experience no. in a bathroom in Italy? <laughs> well, I told you there's not a lot of privacy, so yeah, you got to <laughs> nope. do what you got to do. Excuse me, sir. I'm going to sit on your lap. <laughs> um, <laughs> Room for another? <laughs> So, Thank you for all you did in the war. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to poop between your legs. But sometimes you felt like you almost had to because there was a, certainly a lack of bathrooms in most areas in, in Italy. Public bathrooms, at least. I mean, there's very few public bathrooms, almost almost none in most places that you are. And if you do find a public one, you have to pay for it, which I did not mind because that means at least I felt like maybe someone was cleaning it if I was giving them a euro every time I had to poop. You gave people money? Yeah, uh, it's either that or you have do to do that over there. The only other place to go to the bathroom is if you're using uh, a restaurant. Stuff. Like if you're if you go into a restaurant and get a coffee or a, some food or a piece of pizza or something, then while you're there, you could try to get into their bathroom. But that was that was your only chance if you weren't. You can try. You know, I genuinely believe that their complete lack of bathrooms is aided by the fact that of their complete lack of quantity of eating and particularly drinking. Well, I think like, that's we need it, bathrooms were, everywhere because we yeah. every single man, woman, and child in the United States, our tour me included, guides, especially, has a thirty-two ounce drink in their hand all the time. Our tour managers could not believe the amount of times we had to use the bathroom, and I was—I felt like I was doing pretty good. I could usually, you know, get through most of the day, you know, with with one stop or whatever. But every time we stopped or about to start a tour or end a tour, everyone needed to use the bathroom. But then they immediately would all buy a bottle of water from a vendor after they came out of the bathroom so they could refill themselves, refill their bladder right. immediately and have to go to the bathroom again. The fact, I think, as Americans, we are used to just being able to use a toilet anytime, anywhere, multiple locations, it doesn't matter. There's always a bathroom available. So we're just used to it. Like we're just, Our bladders aren't made to, to hold things in that long. But they don't have anything to hold in because they don't consume any beverages during the day. I mean, they drink their like wine at night, but they drink a thimble full of coffee in the morning. Yeah. They're doing nothing with lunch. It's preposterous. I hate them. It's it's <laughs> <laughs> if you walk around a high school, all you see kids carrying are bottles of water. They don't they don't mm-hmm. even stop and take a sip of they don't because like all of our Oh, are those water <laughs> bottle filler ones? Yeah. Yeah, they're all the water bottle filler ones. So they skip just getting a drink of water and they'll and now uh going to fill your water bottle up is is equivalent cigarette. to going to the going to the bathroom or yeah. having a cigarette or going to the nurse. That's like, how they get if a, they need to walk out of class for ten minutes. They they ask to fill their right. water bottle now. No, yeah, it's true. Um, how do you claim so, that? Yeah, you it's need ridiculous. To. Dehydration. Uh, I think it's I think it's like anything else. It's like having a phone in their hand. Just tell them it's to, like. Can't you just tell them the wait you need to do during your passing period? Yeah, sometimes I do. Uh, it depends you on. Just want to get rid of them? Yes, please, <laughs> please go fill your water bottle. Please. And take... use the uh, there's one on the other side of the school. Yeah. No, uh, the best water comes out of the one that's in the junior high three blocks away. <laughs> take nice your time. Cool. Yeah. No, sometimes I let them go. Sometimes I don't. It depends. Well, uh, so, yeah, we our tour manager was just horrified by the amount of times we had to use the bathroom. And, and you know, you would think the first thing people have asked me about going to Italy, like, oh, did you use the bidet? But like my experience was not about the bidets. <laughs> But even though the hotel rooms all had them, and I never 
because it's not part of my it's not part of what I do. So why would I start doing it in Europe? You know what I mean? Hey, you yes. know how I know you didn't use the bidets? You came back. <laughs> I just see, I just see a Todd J upon discovering bidets never getting off of one. Well, like, I think that could be your jam. The first hotel that had a uh, like a diagram of how to use it kind of changed my my perspective on it because I had always assumed that you'd use a bidet the same way you use a toilet and that you face the same direction like you face but the diagram showed you <laughs> facing the wall like you mount it like right. like you face the wall like you you you, you mount give it a lap dance. <laughs> you, yeah like you're you're the bidet in this in this analogy oh. if that works oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah, so you are giving a you're essentially like you're giving a lap dance to the bidet so you uh, face the wall and then I don't know if you hover the whole time. You're supposed to sit yourself on the porcelain, but I, did, I didn't even attempt it because it's not it's not what I do. So, but what was more shocking was the in in the toilets. I'd say about seventy percent of the toilets we visited that weren't in a hotel room did not have any toilet seat whatsoever. They just decided to forego the seat because uh, I don't think they want to deal with the clean like cleaning the seat, and so they just left. They figured the porcelain was the best thing, and so either had to work your quads, work your quads, or just sit on the porcelain. <laughs> which, to be honest, in the end, I just sat on the porcelain because I couldn't hold myself up that long. <laughs> My legs gave out. <laughs> so I would first of all, so I, 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 this was my routine in Italy when I would find a toilet without a toilet seat, and I had to do, I had to do more than a, a more than an uno. I had to do a due. <laughs> so. Uh, I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get some toilet paper, I'd wipe down, wi- wipe down the, uh, the porcelain a first time, and then, oh. and then maybe get a little water from the sink and wipe it down a second time, and then dry it off a third, and then I would sit on it. That's what that's that would get feel. rid of the bacteria. Water. That's, in my head, I felt like I'd done a good enough job, you know. Although I, now that I think of it, I always had a thing like my backpack had hand sanitizer wipes. I could have just wiped it down with one of those first, but oh well. Most- like, most of the urine stains are gone. Most of the hey, urine stains are gone at that point. So I, I hope your wife's choir never goes on tour to Asia because the, the toilets are just a hole in the ground that you're supposed to hover over. <laughs> and since you don't have the, the, uh, the, 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 the stamina leg wherewithal, yeah, yeah, you'd be placing yourself on a hole in the ground. <laughs> I could deal with that. Is it like to sit Indian style over a hole in the ground for a little <laughs> while? Well, they say that that's better for you anyway to uh, squat as opposed to sit. Yeah, except for the big, like, ring-shaped infection you're going to have on your butt when you get back to America. <laughs> I can't imagine what the sores in the backs of your thighs look like right now. <laughs> Worse than usual. You shouldn't open them because it's just, it's just going to infect everything that those that pus mm-hmm. touches. Yeah, that hand sanitizer would have stung those open wounds. The other, <laughs> the other thing about the toilets was that they were all rectangular instead of oval, and I don't know if that's a less expensive like manufacturing process, but why, why all the toilets in Italy are rectangular? Corners always cost less. No, <laughs> it's uh, so you're it's so hot right now. The square toilets. I don't know. I think it's clear it's... that they pay more for the toilets over there because over here we're cutting corners. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Hope you passed Thanks, the paternity Cleveland, test. <laughs> and then they also had spring-loaded. The ones who did have seats, <laughs> I noticed some spring-loaded seats. So, like, the, Are you making stuff up now? No, no, no. The seat would, would, would put itself in the up position, you know, automatically, which made yes. it really hard to sit on because you had to hold it down and try to sit at the same time. You know what I mean? So you had to get your pants down. And then hold the seat down and then try to turn around and sit on it without letting go of it. And if it was one of those open middle seats and you were in the wrong position, the seat would fly up and smack in the bottom of your genitals. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to be careful there. And uh, so, yeah, the spring-loaded seat was another was another shocker almost. But I managed. I managed to do all my uh, all, all, all of my business. All that your I needed daily ablutions. And I didn't mind paying. I honestly, I'm like, hey, I'll pay, you know, somewhere 50, 50 cents, somewhere a euro. And I never, I was always fine paying for a toilet. Whereas, like, people, we'd be in a restaurant, there'd be a line of, like, 30 women to use the toilet before we leave a restaurant. And I'd say, hey, if you go right outside, you, there's a perfectly empty public bathroom with, like, multiple stalls for one euro. And they'd look at me and be like, mm, I'm not paying. 
And meanwhile, right. we all had to wait. We had to leave. We left the hotel. We left the restaurant thirty minutes later because we were waiting for the bathroom line to go down. Right. I'll pay two euros for a bottle of water that will make me pee, but I won't pay one euro to pee. <laughs> That's right. I'm not paying for it to go in and out. Right. Uh, so most not, of the hotels not providing was... any money to big potty. <laughs> big potty. <laughs> So we would go to these, the hotels we stayed in were all really nice. I mean, really nice. Better than what I remember staying in when I went in high school. I feel like we had the budget hotels in high school. But I, these were all really nice hotels, except for the fact that they all had one tiny elevator. And we'd all show up. A hundred people with luggage would show up at once. And there was one elevator that would fit maybe three people without their bags. And there were, you know, we'd stay on like the fifth floor. So it was either wait. 45 minutes to an hour to get your stuff upstairs or carry it up five flights of stairs. And so what we started to do was we'd fill the elevator with everybody's luggage and just hit all the floor buttons. And then we people would walk up the stairs and then meet their luggage on the elevator on the stair on the <laughs> floor they were staying on. Well, you think with wow. all those stairs that you did, you would have had the thigh strength to poop. <laughs> <laughs> you would think, but, uh, no, it just made me more less like you know more or less able to hold myself up because my thighs were always tired. Oh, sure, you were at failure all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was always at <laughs> failure. <laughs> and that's oh. uh, I'll tell you what that's primarily my takeaway from Italy it's just the pooping in the elevators and uh, <laughs> the food was fa- fantastic. Of course, my favorite time of day was lunch because you get to go out on your own. And so we stopped in Siena one day. Siena, I don't know if you know anything about Siena, but it's where they do that. The There's a famous horse race that happens there every year in the town square where they all ride bareback. Like there's 17 quarters. You know, each each town is – each portion, there's 17 split, – split into 17 sections. And each section is fiercely proud of their section, and they're all represented by a by a mascot, you know, some kind of a flag that they – a symbol. And American Indian. Each year, yes. Each year they <laughs> race. They fill the town square, which is a beautiful. Like we went there, we had lunch there. the The square is this fan shaped. Mo, mo, you know, most of the squares you go to are square or rectangular or whatever. This was a square, a fan shaped. It's almost like a seashell. So they cover the outer. There's an outer walk around the whole thing. They cover it with like four, six inches of sand every year. Pack it down, and they do this horse race on it, where the riders ride bareback. There's no rules. They they run into each other. They 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 push each other into the walls. Horses go flying. It's pretty cruel to the horses, I'm sure. And they do this in the town square fills with twenty thousand people and blood. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it's this perfectly preserved medieval city. It's just beautiful. But we stopped there for lunch. Uh, well, we stopped there. And we we walked around. We had some free time. And so Kelly and I found a little sandwich shop. And I, uh, this was my best l- lunch experience because the breakfast and the dinners were provided as part of the tour and were never, like, amazing because it was group dinners. So you couldn't order what you wanted. Like, their their version of American breakfast was, like, cold slices of ham and not even prosciutto, like like mm. ham, like crocus ham, and which I, I'm, I love crocus ham, but not necessarily, like, cold slices up for breakfast. I don't know. Uh, you know, so the American breakfast, they said, oh, you get an American breakfast. It was never anything that I <laughs> eat in America for breakfast. It's like their version of what they thought we ate in America for breakfast. So well, they certainly was, don't have any idea of a Todd American breakfast. That's no. for sure. No, there wasn't. There wasn't gravy on anything. Nope. There's bacon <laughs> wasn't inside the waffles. Nope. I see no Il Capitano del Crunch on this plate. <laughs> this is not an American breakfast. So the lunches were really the only time we got to kind of explore, like you know, local foods and get you know really get into the cured meats. So uh, we stopped in a sandwich shop, and and usually they have pre-made ones out that they expect the tourists to want, prosciutto and mozzarella, a caprese sandwich, stuff like that. So I'm looking at it. None of it looked great. Like didn't look like, you know. And so I asked the guy behind the counter, I said, make me your favorite sandwich. So he goes, okay. He goes, you like, he goes, you like salami? I said, I'm all about salami. I'm all about the salami. Give me your salami, signore. So he's, he slices two kinds of salami. Puts a, a fresh, like a buffalo mozzarella, like a fresh mozzarella, and then it's another a second cheese, a white cheese, which could have been a provolone or something. I don't know. And then uh, Best not to ask. a horseradish sauce, which was amazing. Puts it on this, this beautiful bread and, and made puts with it real in, horses. That's yes, right. Legs yep. broken from the, the, <laughs> from the race. <laughs> from the race. And they, uh, you know, put, he puts it in a sandwich press, and it was, it was my favorite 
meal of the whole trip. It was fantastic. And we went up and ate it. Like, Kelly got her sandwich, and, and then they have – so the, one of the things about the square is that they have balconies above all the businesses because that's where people – you pack the balconies to watch the horse race. So, But during the year, you can just go up on the balcony and eat your lunch. And so we go up this little tiny spiral staircase, and you walk down this little – like a tunnel that you have to crouch down, but you come out, and you're at the balcony of this building. It was just beautiful. And we ate this fantastic sandwich, and it was just the perfect like that was that was my perfect Italy moment right there. It was a delicious sandwich, and hanging out in the square, seeing you know you could see the beautiful cathedral, see everything in the background. That was that was Italy for me. I was I could have gone home after that. Put me on a plane tonight. Uh, I'm going to Olive Garden to relive it. Be just like I'm there. Just like I'm. Take me back to Tuscany. Right. If that's what you should say to your uh, to the waitress. Make me your favorite sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? It's simple. You do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. Let me tell you how. When you want to buy something on Amazon, go to paternitypodcast.com. That is our web page. Click on support. And you will find a page there where you can donate money to the show if you would like to do that. And we certainly hope that you will. And lots of people do. If you want to be in good company, our finest, finest listeners give us money for the comedy services that we provide. Or you can buy something for yourself and it ends up with us getting money by using the Amazon portal. Click on the Amazon box. Amazon opens up. And that's it. You're off to the races. You're at the Plaza del Campo. You just uh, type in what you're looking for and buy it and... Amazon knows you came through the website, and they give us a chunk of their money, and we use that to pay for the show. What's been purchased on Amazon lately, I'll tell you what, Dave, I don't know if you did this, but uh, Todd and I bought ourselves some uh, The Force Awakens Blu-ray sets. Did you mm-hmm. make the purchase, Dave? Not yet. I, I haven't had a chance to I haven't had a chance to go anywhere or <laughs> open a computer and hit, hit purchase if you go near a retailer like if you're anywhere near a target or a walmart or a, a best Buy, in. they pretty much put it in your pocket when you walk in the store right they just reach right in take out 20 bucks and put the disc in i'm a little i feel like a sucker though i i i pre-ordered it or i, I might not have gotten it because you know they're gonna release another one like a fancier edition every At year christmas yeah for the next 10 years so what we purchased is essentially the worst possible version of this but won't they be too busy releasing all the other movies on DVD from this point? Are you always going to – you think there will be a, a Force Awakens special edition every year? Well, you know there will be the, a new trilogy box set in right. four or five years. But I think that – all right, here's the here's Oh, the I tell. see what you're saying. But you can't well, – you're not going to wait that long to get a box set. How could you, right? How could you? Yeah. There's a character. There's the, one of the first toys they came out with was a guy named Constable Zuvio. And he's one of these aliens, you know, Star Wars, like every every possible alien that the camera pans by gets an action figure. Right. It's always been that way. But this guy, they released all this Constable Zuvio and all Constable Zuvio sidekick stuff with all these pictures of him from the movie. He's not in the movie. He's not in the movie. And (laughs) so I'm like, well, I can't wait to watch the Constable Zuvio scene on the bonus disc. No, (laughs) no cut scene. So either it's the most clever troll and like self-satire in the history of entertainment or there's another dvd coming out that's got this cat on it so as soon as I, there was no constable zuvio set on the bonus edition i'm like i should wait another year because they got they obviously have another disc you know another version of this coming got suckered i don't mean to i don't want and this is on track but a little off point or on point but a little off track the uh, did you guys happen to see the April Fool's spoof of the Darth Maul show? No. no. So if you go uh, online, there's on, on April Fool's Day, someone came up with this teaser trailer for a new Netflix series. It's incredible. Like the, the teaser is incredible. And it has the Lucasfilm thing. It has, you know, the Disney mm-hmm. logo come up. And it's at the end of the trailer, there's a, a whole sword fighting scene or a, a lightsaber scene. And at the end of the trailer, this guy in a hood, the, the guy uh, in the lightsaber duel, his hood comes back and it's Darth Maul. And it's supposed to be this the story of Darth Maul, like a series. And you're like, oh, my God, like, and it looks insane. And it turns out it was just the meanest practical joke ever. 
Well, that's what I mean. April Fools now isn't really pranks per se as hoaxes, right? Right. It's not like you're going to sit in a chair and I'm going to pull it out from under you. It's look at this concept that's not actually going to come to fruition. Right. I used to tell my parents every year that the toilet was overflowing. <laughs> I'd get up at 545 and, and come into the room and scream at them. And then they would jump up and like run into each other and then run into the bathroom to find nothing wrong. My dad Until would... that one day the toilet was truly overflowing and they didn't believe you anymore. And, and they that's... drowned. Yep. <laughs> so yep. you have no parents. <laughs> so well, I am looking new forward house. to the uh, to the new streaming sitcom uh, version of of Star Wars called Mall in the Family. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't put the milk back last night? <laughs> what? Darth? Emperor Sorry. Palpatine walks in. There's cheering from the crowd. <laughs> He's like, uh, he has an interracial marriage. So like one of his kids look exactly like him. And then it, <laughs> like, and that's his daughter. He hates it because she's she got all the mall jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Dad, my so, new boyfriend's here to take me to the dance. He turns on his double-sided. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's a Jedi. Uh, what did you say? Like that's a sketch jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Lucas set the standard for selling something to you 15 times. I think Disney will continue that, but I think they're not going to get away with it quite as much. Mainly because, like Todd was saying, they're coming up with too much product. Right. Like, Lucas just wasn't creating anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made six movies. In uh, 30 six years. Over the course of 30 years, yeah, they're going to make a movie a year for 30 years. So uh, you're going to lose track of how many uh, director's cuts they release. Right, you're not going to care, I guess. Did I you, will say. Did you watch oh, the trailer for Rogue One? Yeah. It was funny how, how my excitement had depreciated uh, in, in a, a new Star Wars trailer since, since seeing the others for the first well, time. It's different because it's a. It's, a Star Wars store, you know, it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't have the look and feel of a Star Wars movie like film filmically like it's not going to have those diagonal white transitions and yeah. you know like it, it had Star Wars properties moving around the, the screen but it didn't it's not intended to feel like the main movies which right which raises the question then why are you making it a Star Wars movie like why put stormtroopers uh, in it if it's you know it had the feel of a Michael Bay movie to me because of the badassery because of the You've been arrested for larceny. I rebel. It's a rebellion. You know? Uh-huh. He's like, Are you up for this task? Yes, sir. Like, come on. Like, not even Han. Like, I know they're trying to come up with a female Han Solo, but Han Solo wouldn't say stuff like that. Shia LaBeouf would say, say stuff like that or Matt Damon or something. Uh-huh. So it's, it's very, like, it's a Hollywoodified version of a Star Wars trailer, kind of, um, which I'm for. Like, I'll go see it and I'll throw my kids in the trunk of the car if I have to for three hours so I can go see the movie. I didn't get any tinglies. Right. What are you doing, Jedi Master? <laughs> Retiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come on, man. You were the best. <laughs> that's, I swear to God, like that's, that's the sort of stuff I was expecting to hear in the trailer. If you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. If you use iTunes, we'd like to ask that you go to iTunes and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes. But also, while you're there, leave a rating and a review. It's very quick, it's very easy, and it helps other listeners find us. And you can read our weekly paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine. This month, I say poop in print. Well, that's a big step for you. Mm-hmm. Gradually, I'll, soon I'll be able to say it in real life. And now it's time for Mr. Manners, where getting through the day without a toddler swearing is a win. Hey, everybody. I took my daughters with my wife. We both took our daughters. We're, uh, we're in speaking terms, so we both took our daughters to a birthday party for one of their friends. And I feel like I have dodged a huge cosmic bullet because my children don't have as many friends as your children. Because we only go to a party about, it seems like we're only going to parties about once a month, maybe once every two months. And that, that is, to me, 
incredible. A huge boon. I don't understand why four-year-olds have birthday parties with their friends. I think it needs there needs to be like a moratorium the way they had a moratorium on the death penalty in Illinois about 10 years ago mm-hmm. to we like to we reevaluate <laughs> the pluses versus minuses of such an occasion. Uh-huh. It seems to me that it's a lose-lose all the way around. The kid has a kid has an experience that he won't remember. Or does seem Kids a little have, young. They I, have I... an experience they're not going to remember best case scenario, worst case scenario um, they're miserable while you're miserable because you're miserable either way. Let me say this. I've been to two parties in the last two weeks. Now, for those of you who are paying attention, yes, but I haven't been to a party before that since uh, in months. So the averages still work out. The first party last week was at 9 a.m. Uh, on a Saturday. Are yeah, you wow. guys, is this a, yeah, exactly. 9 a.m. So right away, I'm like... We've been invited to one that was 9 a.m., and it was a breakfast pajama theme. This is what it was. Okay. But it was at a bouncy house. So it was a breakfast pajama trip to the ER theme. Uh I was going to say, eggs and and, uh, the eggs aren't the only things getting cracked open at this party. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you have to, any party you have to take your four year old to, where you have to sign a waiver, is not <laughs> the sort of thing you want to get involved in, because it's, someone else is having a party. I think in a couple of weeks, and it's it's Sky Zone. Sky Zone. I don't know if you have them out there. It's uh, it's a trampoline uh, park, indoor trampoline park, right? Indoor trampoline park for four year. It's a birthday party for four year olds. And we talked to a nurse, someone we know that's a nurse at one of the big hospitals in Syracuse. And she's like, man, I see so many people coming in (laughs) from Sky Zone, broken limbs, you know, busted heads. And like, all right, well, ankles. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not doing we're going to bow out of Sky Zone. Hyperextended elbows. Hyper. Yeah. Just broken dreams, everything. And so we go to this party. Well, first of all, there's no. Uh parental beverages happening of course you know how i feel about that well look you know how everybody feels about that or at least you can't there's got to be two buffet lines there's got to be one full of pizza and one full of hoagies or something Mm -hmm. you know what i mean there's got to be one full of kool-aid and one full of you know one full of craft beers that didn't happen at 9 a.m and i knew it wasn't going to happen and it didn't happen yesterday Yesterday's party was great. That's not really the point. My point about yesterday's party. So we, we drive out to the country. This uh, people we know got a house on a lake. It's a huge lake. We go inside and everyone's super nice. But my daughters, they got into the house and they turned full twins from The Shining. They their faces went flat. They wouldn't talk. Talked to anybody? They clung really? to us, <laughs> and and they knew the they knew the the birthday girl. Or... They knew the birthday kid. They these knew... were like actual friends of theirs. These, these weren't like actual work friends, friends of yours and they haven't met the kids. Actual, yeah, like knows this kid from before they have memories. You know what I mean? Like in, for like two years at least, knows the kid's older brother, knows the parents, and plus. Everyone's super nice. Like there's nice kids their age. There's nice kids that are younger. There's nice kids that are older. All the adults are super great. And both um, of them shut down. Both of them shut down, like reaching up for us, burying their faces in our shirts. And, and it wasn't the sort of thing where I'm embarrassed because I'm sure that they're going to actually do things that embarrass me someday, like that warrant embarrassment. And I know that being four, there's a lot of leeway in terms of behavior. So I'm like, eh, screw this. Like I don't, I don't care for myself. I just want, I, I want to move beyond this though. I'm just, I was just frustrated because, you know, we're trying to have conversations with adults. We want them to go and become normal, normal four-year-olds go upstairs and play and, you know, get into a fight and talk it out and yeah, not share something. Right, not share something. Scream, kids scream at another kid, cry about they wanted ice cream, you know, vanilla instead of chocolate. And it happens every once in a great while. Didn't happen last week. Uh, and granted, they knew several kids, many kids. It shouldn't be that huge of a differential. Like they, 
It's just it, it was just irritating. Maybe they Morning. secretly hate the birthday kid and didn't want to. Maybe, know, but these are, he's a lovely beef. kid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe he's got some sort of knowledge on them that he's holding over him, like he saw him bury a body, and so like every time they see right, him, he walks into just, preschool and he. It, it, uh, he, it, there's a manila folder in front of every kid's uh, <laughs> finger painting station. Suppose you're wondering why I brought you all here today. In front of yeah. you, you'll find a manila folder. It's under your desk. I'd like you to all... Uh, don't open it yet, Tom. Get a grown-up to help you open it. I think you'll <laughs> find what's inside fascinating. Your tiny fingers don't have... The, yeah. Matt, does, you don't seem to have this issue. Your daughter's... You've got the type of kid that would ingratiate themselves to a, a guy in a white van like right generally the, the one thing she won't do that i wish she'd do but i think it's above and beyond is like i can't make her do circus tricks very effectively for strangers like i can't say yeah. sing sing that song or do that impression or do your dance like that's not going to work but as far as walking into a social situation going that doesn't uh she, she uh, likes to make friends, like even strangers. Like if she sees another kid in a library or something, she like walks over and says, hey, let's play. So that that's a very fortunate thing and braver than I at that same age. But boy, it is useful because it's a great the, the socials already lubricated. Like when you walk mm-hmm. into the party, you can just give her a little shove and she's off to the races <laughs> herself. And right. then you can yeah. deal with the awkwardness of grown up stuff. Because that's like weird I enough just, without having your kid clinging to you and not wanting to go into the thing. My kids never were invited to birthday parties this young. Like, they, no one had birthday parties this young that I can even recall. Is it because it was a different era? Because now it's, you, you didn't know. do birthday parties till maybe, like, kindergarten when you had classmates to invite to, you See, know. I feel like they're going to fall off when we get to that age because everybody's already burned out. You know, oh, I can tell great. that the parents that's of the five-year-olds are already burned out. Because that's when you had to go to the bowling party, the skating party, the... You know, that's when you had to find everyone had to come up with an idea every year, uh, a place to have a party up until 10. And then at 10, that's the that's the the nationally recognized age where you stop having like kid parties where you invite a bunch of kids. After that, then they do like you have three kids over for a sleepover and that's your birthday party. I was talking to my wife about this. Most of more family parties up until four. But you got invited. But see, you got invited to a family party. Now your right. your next one that's at the trampoline zone of death that sounds more like a kid party but that's still really young is that a four year old party How- yes it's for four year olds they can barely do anything at one of those play they don't have enough mass to actually generate <sighs> bounce at a trampoline park they're just going to be walking around. around on the top of the trampoline <laughs> yeah they're going to be walking around and tripping on the trampoline <laughs> well that was that and that was the only plus thing in the plus column for me I'm like. Can they really create enough force to, to this is send themselves do. off? You have all the four-year-olds sit in the middle of the trampoline, and then you jump on it, and they go flying all right. over. Right. They go flying into the ceiling. <laughs> Little four-year-old-shaped body holes in the, <laughs> in the ceiling tiles. Um, My prediction is that Dave and I are going to see these parties fall off at first grade. That these are just going to be four or five kindergarten out. Either that or they'll have to be extreme to, like, make up for the fact that they've been having parties for six years already. <laughs> My yeah. parents rented a yacht. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're going to be going to those the indoor parachuting places or something, you know, where, you know, the sky, what, what are those called? They're all over Chicago right now. There's one in Rosemont. There's one out here in Naperville. Indoor skydiving, ice sky or something like that. It's called Skyfall. 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 (laughs) Blood sky. I don't know what it's called. Solace. It's where you have to, (laughs) (laughs) where the fan blows you up towards the ceiling, and then you need to burp to come back down. That's different. I don't know. You only live twice. Uh, Um, I don't know. It's funny. I I don't. uh, Sleepovers are going to be interesting. It's one of those. I guess it's one of those things where, like, I'm glad I have daughters because I. Think the I fact will... that you you have a built-in your daughters have a built-in best buddy with them all the time, we should make well, it easier at all parties. Let me finish that statement so I don't sound like a pedophile. I, I'm glad my uh, children <laughs> are daughters, so that I won't have to deal with their friends in the middle of the night. It'll be weird for me to deal with them, so I'll be able to sleep all night. My wife will be the one to get up and take oh, care. Oh yeah, yeah. If the there's a problem, or... it's got to be your, right. your wife has to do. You know, it's, like yeah. it'll be like. Miss Nick, if someone's throwing up, right? Like, oh well, that's all you, babe, because I'm not going into a small bathroom with a third grader at three in the morning. So, uh, did I tell you about my daughter's last 
party where they woke up and one girl had thrown up on the floor in the middle of the night and nobody knew it until they woke up and they were all laying in throw up on the floor of my basement. <laughs> Man, they must even, have been so drunk. Even the girl who threw up didn't know <laughs> even the girl who threw up didn't know she'd thrown up. Or at least didn't want to admit it until the morning. But you guys, uh, have you seen the contents of my stomach? Because it feels oh, oh. no. <laughs> There was uh, inside of me before I went to bed. A lot of feel that way. And where's that cake I ate last night? Oh, <laughs> like we'd put out a bunch of fresh fruit, and they had like gone. They like scarfed on all this fresh fruit, and so they were like whole orange segments, like uh, or like uh, they were their cuties, like the the tan, the clementines, right? Like whole clementine segments had come out of her stomach because she ate them without chewing them first. I guess I don't know how that happened. God. It was like a bile sangria. Oh, it was. It was a bile sangria. And <laughs> she was like, she was half shark. So there was like a, there was like a license plate in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, you know, I couldn't just get out the carpet cleaner. I had to like, sh- I had to shovel the floor first and then I could get the carpet cleaner out. <laughs> did you make, did you rub her nose in it or did uh, you make her, her clean it up? It was so bad. There was, you know, we just did a lot of laundry that morning and had a lot of apologies to a lot of parents who was had to take home. Luckily, you know, they all took home freshly washed stuff. No one took home like, oh, here's here. We rolled up all this puke in the sleeping bag for you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, those are the, those are the things that happen. Cake to take home. <laughs> we gave you an extra slice of cake because your sleeping bag's full of puke. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that was our last adventure. Now, see, and I had said, you know, at 10 was this was her last big party. So she had like 10 girls have a sleepover. But from now on, it'll be like you have three or four girls. I I would rather take instead of going to. Well, there's certainly one less kid that can come to the future parties. <laughs> Pukey Patty, she's not going anywhere. Instead of gift bags, everybody leaves with a dry cleaning bag with their yeah. clothes cleaned in it. I just feel, I feel like birthday parties are just a money grab. Like, you know, the more kids you invite, the more presents you get. And no one gives presents. You guys give everyone gives gift cards now anyway. Not you know us. I mean? Well, because I mean, you're, you're too young. Age, you're too but, young. Yeah. But once you get to like first grade. Most of the kids are. If if you call a parent and say, "What does you, you know? What should we get little Timmy for his, the birthday party?" They'd probably tell you a Target gift card, or a GameStop gift card, or or even an iTunes gift card. That's what we get all the time now. We say, "What's what's so and so into? What can we get him?" Oh, just like an iTunes gift card would be great. Like, well, in that case, it's transactional and it should stop. It is transactional, right. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So I just get. I, I I really don't like doing that. So I, whenever I can, I said, "Let's go find something. We'll give a gift receipt, and if they would rather have the cash or." You know, they can go back and, and exchange it for a gift card because uh, we're going to at least try. It's funny. People are surprised when you show up with a present, like a wrapped box. They're like, oh, so you decided to give you like you it's a gift card in the box. Like, no, it's an actual present. There's oh. a gift receipt in there, right? <laughs> There's a gift, Yeah. So, Dave, what are you doing? You sending them back for retraining? What are you going to do with these? Uh... I think we're going to send them back. Yeah. I think we're going to get rid of them for six months. Boot camp. Least. Yeah. But, you know. It's like when you send a dog off to training, they come back, and they, unless you just stay on them, it, the training goes away. But you and Nikki are comedians. Like you are, you know, whether it's whether it's real or or fake, you, you are both gregarious in social situations. And and then, like Todd said, your daughters are constantly in a team, so they should be extra. So I think the team is what, what happened. The team works against them. I think they so, enable each other to be. Social right, like yeah. they, so they're such good friends that they're like, when they get into a situation they're uncomfortable with, they're like, "Screw this! Like we're we're shutting down, and we will mm. turn back on when you say grab your coat, we're leaving." Because they have, have each other to they, they back one another up, um, and they were fine uh, later on. They had cake, they had pizza, but it we were there for two hours total. It took an hour. Like Whoa! A, yeah, oh. it took an hour. And so I don't know. I think maybe maybe we bow out for a year. Like wait until kindergarten, wait until first grade. Cuz it's not like, you know, they're not going to be losing, they're not going to be missing out on memories. Is that going to help though? The problem like, is if letting... you if you don't go to the preschool parties, you might not get invited to the first grade parties cuz be like, oh, the, the Ingles never come. Well, that's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> but are you really going to like Give in to their social awkwardness and let them stay home and read Emily Dickinson instead yeah, of. Yeah, I think you need. I don't for this. Uh, I don't know. I think you no. need to keep exposing no. them. 
No, but I think I'll probably be quicker to hit the door. Take them to every dangerous trampoline party you can until they right. are happy to be there. I, I just think, I think, yeah, we'll continue to take them to places, but I'll just be quicker on the draw to get out of there. Because we really let it linger. Like, we really were like, okay, we can do this. We can, you know, hold out so that they could. Because we wanted them to learn you don't have to be but they, socially But weird. they did in the end, right? So maybe that's. Maybe yeah, maybe next time it'll only take 45 minutes, well, and then that's... it'll only take half an hour. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, $200, $300 worth of birthday presents from now. Uh, you yeah. should have them. They'll smile and shake people's hands when they walk uh-huh. in. You don't have to get the, the kid. when they talk to them. You don't get, get the birthday kid a present from each of your daughters, do you? <laughs> no, they get one. Okay, that's good. We cut it in half so that like, so we got this. Yeah, we got When this you kid. have a birthday party, like a kid party, are you – are those kids going to have to double down? like, Or do you expect them to spend half of as much and just divide it by two? Uh, we stop people at the door and say, <laughs> if they have one bag, we're like, oh, where's the other bag? We're like, oh, no, this is for both. They say, and you know what I mean? Which is like hey, Nick, eyeball up silently. gets down for a half a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mark your hand with green. What's green mean? Uh, don't worry about it. It's uh, <laughs> special people get. We had a birthday party for them this year. Look, they had eight birthday parties this year. Um, You're going to get a bunch of art crap. That's what you're going to get from people because they're going to be like, what can I get that's like a pile of product that they can share? And you're going to get infinite piles of those like art things, like sets of stickers and crayons and things that will clutter your house. You're going to have so many colored pencils. That your daughters would never use. I have. I, I'm. I'm staring at a shelf full of art supplies because people found out once that Ellie likes art, and so I have. I'm looking at three separate, like briefcase things that open up full of Jeez. colored pencils and markers that she hasn't touched. She well, that's all that my out. kids. All my kids do is art. Like, if they are bothering us, we backhand them and, and shove them towards the art table, and then they, all they do is draw all day. So I don't know if they'll be able to read, but they'll definitely be able to draw a horse. So the art's fine. They they love to draw. They love to color. They love to paint. And Nick's, they've done it for years. I've got a stack of their drawings and paintings at my school that I haven't even, but I can't even put them on the walls because there's too many of them. I have just they sta- sit there in a stack, a sad pile. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad thing if they get that sort of stuff from their friends. Oh, that's a good place to end it. Oh, damn it, damn it. <laughs> Damn it. That's okay. I'll figure it out. Send us a question or a comment for the Paternity Test Mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. And now it's time for talking to your kids about drawing. That's where you ask us to paint us like your French girls. So parenting is really showing your ass. Uh, there is no way to raise a child without immediately holding a mirror up to all your values, all your flaws, all your talents, all your social idiosyncrasies, right? Like looking at your child, you look at a tiny copy of you, so you see everything that's wrong with you. And then looking at your parenting, you realize everything that's screwed up and broken about you and your relationship to the world, right? Yeah, and you realize the inevitability of it because you also see your parents – and you see the multiple generations of flaws that are you're all you're doing is you're just a rung in the ladder. Uh-huh. You realize how inevitable it is. Uh-huh. You're, you're one, just there to pass on those. You're a link in a huge, flawed, grotesque chain. <laughs> and it's funny is I never thought of that. Like I never thought of that as reflecting me, but I would always see in the other kids, I go, oh, the, I, you know, a, a kid would say something and I go, oh, his kid's parents must be idiots or his kids parents must be extreme we had a we used to have a kid who had spent some time at our house who would come over and bash obama all the time (laughs) he was like he was like six and so you know that he's just repeating everything his parents would say so we obviously got all of his we we knew where his parents stood on everything because according to the six-year-old obama was a terrible president and ruining the country i immediately picked up on the fact that that was a reflection on his parents but i guess i never I was too close to, to uh, too close to my own kids to see to see what I did to them. I need someone else to see that and tell me what I what I've done to them. 
Yeah, we can we can send you a list if you'd like. I, that's yeah. what I need. I need to know where I've gone wrong. So you can just go to my website. <laughs> <laughs> I, I built for it. What Todd has done wrong dot com. <laughs> well, I'm and Matt. We see that in Viva with all the you know you've gotten her into some some awesome you know the Star Wars stuff, the cosplay stuff, the fact that she loves going to those conventions with you. And uh, I think you just put up a Facebook post yesterday of her doing a, a line from uh, Force Awakens with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have to see if, like, I turn her into a geek or if she naps it shut. She, she turns on me. She, uh, this is a rebellion, right? She rebelled. I love to draw. I love to do mm-hmm. art. And because the three of us have all made the performing arts our bread and butter, it's pretty much ruined that for us, right? Like, last night I texted you guys because I was at live theater and I wanted to chomp down on the cyanide capsule in my hollow molar because I had to see a live show, which is the most miserable possible experience for me. Um, so drawing still makes me happy because I don't ever get paid for it. Right. And it was something I was good at as a kid. So I really want my daughter to be good at drawing and get joy from it. It's something I want us to do together. And last year, like about this time last year, she started to exhibit signs of being a very gifted artist and i was very excited about that then all of a sudden it snapped shut she stopped drawing like she could draw cartoon characters and stuff out of her head and do a great job of it a a preternaturally great job and suddenly her drawings all went back to just blobs of color and scribbles and pushing color around the page and nonsense and first i was afraid her like brain was shrinking or she'd gotten you know kicked in the head by a pony at a birthday party but then I realized it was just, I don't know, she'd lost interest in it to the extent that she was almost sabotaging art projects. Well, that's, what, that's exactly what I was wondering. Like, is she, did she get a sense from you that this was like the pressure of you wanting her to see her draw more and draw like you? And she just said, OK, I'm going to act like I don't know how to draw anymore so we can just drop this. Uh, one way or another, it's my fault. I don't know how if it's direct or if it's inherent, but... Uh, it, the the stuff hit the fan when I was looking through. She brought home a journal or like a book put together. She's in this group called Story Makers where all the kids learn to tell stories and draw pictures of their stories because they're all pre-literate. And she brought home the stapled book of drawings, one by each kid in the class. And hers was crap. <laughs> <laughs> so you and sat I, her down and you made her redo it over and over again. Right. So it was right. I'm not going to have now, the kid the I, worst drawer in the class. Like that's. That's ter- especially when I'm looking a year back at perfect drawings from her. And then I see that she clearly just went like, uh, and like scribbled around the page with an orange crayon while everybody else is drawing people and cars and wheels and houses and chimneys. Right. Cause she knows she'll never be good enough for you. Well, I brought it up at the, I brought it up at the parent teacher conferences. I'm like, Hey, my kids stopped <laughs> liking drawing. What should I do about that? And they said, well, she seems to like art. I said, yeah, but she's not drawing figures anymore. She's just, hippieing around with colors and they said what's her art situation at home and they suggested that maybe we were <laughs> that's awesome that we, i love we were, that hippie preschools have parent teacher conferences well they thought maybe we were giving her too many art supplies so she didn't like to draw anymore because she had too many stickers and glitter and puffy paints and so and they suggested that i not take them away from her like she's being punished but like occasionally just bring out a black marker and paper and say let's draw and when she turns to get the glitter, say, oh, the glitter, uh, it's put away today. Let's just draw. So you're not supposed to take her to the backyard and make her dig a hole and put all of her stickers and, and <laughs> glitter in it and bury it? Take her to Lake Michigan. Throw it in. Throw your stickers in. <laughs> I don't want to. Throw your puffy paints in. Throw that decoupage in the lake. My wife uh, runs a day school out of her house. A lot of the, you know, they switch between a lot of different mediums and stuff throughout the course of a year. I, l- late, lately, there's a lot of markers. Like, it's just markers and paper. Um, and they do all sorts of other stuff. But, like, when my kids draw, they go right to markers, washable See, markers. And, and that's going to make them good at it. I think as a kid, I usually eschewed the giant crayon can and just went for a pencil. Yeah. And that's how I got good at drawing is that I wasn't messing around with all the, all these, you know, because art supplies, I think, are cheaper and more plentiful these days. So mm-hmm. kids are uh, have too many mediums. You don't want anything that has to fry, you know, no, not. I mean, or that's going to make it glitter <laughs> that's going to get everywhere. Like, come on. No. And, and, I mean, we look, my kids use that stuff, too. But as an adult, there's only so much of that you can take, you know. 
Our daughter likes to uh, paint, and that's the like. I hate that we have all that because it's a, a, such a mess. And so we always have to put a tarp down, and you know, we we did. We she had these like mini canvases from Michaels. It's cute and sweet, but I I wish she would just do that stuff at school where they have to clean it up. I know. <laughs> and then my, we just we, yeah. My we, wife we, does it outside. We deal with the. Oh, that's a good idea. She that's does it good. in the yard. Yeah, it's like then my lawn looks. Yeah, it looks like a huge. Yeah, but then it, the grass grows. You cut it, and it's gone. Right. You need to forbid it. So that they they have to they sneak around to do it like smoking, you right? Just dis, disapproving of artwork so that they'll, right. they'll get really into it, but they'll do it elsewhere. They'll do it in somebody else's garage. You open their closet. There's a secret room with like magnificent lighting. All their <laughs> stick figures hanging up. Where did you learn to sculpt like this? I learned it from watching you. <laughs> oh, so I finally figured out what the bugaboo was. And it was a sense of perfectionism because I was trying to get her to draw a picture for her mom's birthday. I said, please draw a picture of mommy. Uh, that's and the she... hardest is to like get them on, on demand. I, I try to get Ellie to do that. I'm like, how great grandma would love a card from you. You just draw it. And that's the one time you can never get them to do it. Right. She's like, how, how can I, how can I uh, commune with the, the muse when you demand this of me? Uh, she starts to cry, and I'm like, well, why are you crying? Stop crying! Uh, why are you crying? <laughs> and she said, I can't draw it perfectly. I can't draw it well enough. Oh, and I said, no. sweetie, just draw. The hippies certainly didn't teach you this. Like, just express yourself. And she said, I can't do it right. And she walked over to a photograph of herself. Like, she walked over to her school picture that was sitting there waiting to be framed and picked it up and said, I can't draw this well. She held up a photograph. <laughs> Did you? Ex- <laughs> you should have just said you're right. So did you explain well, to her? You're not that going to the- eat again until you do. So you better get <laughs> on that photographic realism. Maybe she needs to see you draw badly for a little. Like, well, you, last night mommy was gone, so I took out just some markers and some paper, and I said we're going to draw together. Turned off all the devices, and started. She said, "I said, why don't you draw? Who do you want to draw?" She told me who to draw. And so I started drawing, and she started drawing, and I messed up my drawing. You're, you guys are going to be so mad. My wife was so mad at me. I messed up my drawing, and I crumpled it up, and I started nice. again. Oh. And she the looked message. over and said, why did you crumple that up, Daddy? And I said, well, I, it, I messed it up. It didn't look very – oh. <laughs> it didn't look like a photograph. Oh. <laughs> and then it took me. She kept wanting to crumple up her drawings because they weren't good enough, and she was getting so upset. And I said, sweetie, the <laughs> next one, just draw whatever you want. We're going to draw. I said, look, look at this drawing I'm doing. Look at how this is messed up. Let's just draw. And I got her a reference. She's like, I want to draw this one cartoon. I want to draw one of the Wonder Pets. So I pulled up a Wonder Pet on the iPad so she'd have a reference. And she drew it. And then all of a sudden I saw, saw her lighting up. And she'd, like, gotten it right. And she was so proud. She said, take a picture of this, Daddy, and send it to Mommy. And she's like, I really got it right. And, and I put it on the fridge. And I praised her. And she was so excited about drawing again. But I realized the thing is, if she's not happy with the drawing and thinks it isn't great, she doesn't want to even start. She wants to take her ball and go home. And that she got it either from my own sick sense of perfectionism and self-loathing or from modeling and watching. My, you know, I don't know if it's in her genes or if she's seeing me do it. I love that you did that. I love that you crumpled it up after you had this special moment with her where she realized she wasn't making the grade. <laughs> <laughs> No, honey, come over here. I'm going to I'll show you how to do it right. Uh, oh, I didn't do, oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> oh, it is. I don't deserve to eat. Hold on. <laughs> Well, folks, it's time for another episode of the paternity test to put smiley face stickers on the bleach cabinet. Follow us on Twitter at the dad test. Like us on Facebook. Visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, just. <laughs> you, you don't have a bleach cabinet? <laughs> yeah, just do stays in Chicago Paradox. Where do you keep the bleach? <laughs> Next to the fruit snacks and the <laughs> apple juice. And you wonder why the kids are throwing up at the birthday parties. <laughs> Call our voicemail at 657 Bad Dads and tell your friends about the show. And please do consider a donation via our PayPal link at paternitypodcast.com. All right, everybody, remember, if you're not excited about another Star Wars movie with a female lead and a Death Star, then you're not really a Star Wars fan. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 